So, again, we have two episodes which are alluding to the existence and use of Data's penis. Yeah, that I hadn't made that connection, but that is true. So, in Data Lore, we had... I, I'll say it was Jordy asking about it. Yeah. And in Age of One, we had Data, you know... Uh, 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 well, the thinking la- about sex and well the lady was just like well do you have and he's like well yes and she's just like well you could teach our men a thing or two and he's like you're a robot mm-hmm. uh, well i do have a question for you i don't know so obviously uh, the show is interested in data's penis or or someone on the staff is interested in data's, data's penis or brent spiner is just interested in his penis and so since he's playing data he brings it up uh, to the writers, which is all fine, and I don't have a problem with or any of this. maybe it's all ad-libbed, and they're all like, oh, fuck, he's doing it again. But it, he refuses to... He refuses to stop, and to so To do a they, take that does not have that in. That that could be. He's um, kind and, of the Jim Sterling of this show. Yeah, and I think especially with uh, the look on Atasha Yar and Troy's face in that scene in Angel One, I think that, that may actually be the case. Um, or the other alternative, which, you know, is that you are obsessed with Data's penis, which, you know, Brent Spiner was an attractive man in 1987, so I don't necessarily have a problem with that. Well, but- well, well here, no, 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 no. I don't have a problem with Brent Spiner's penis. In fact, I would, you know, yeah, I, if this were 1986 and I were not four in 1986, 85 in 1987, I mean, I, I could see, you know, being interested in Brent Spiner's penis, but I cannot... The thought of Data having a penis. Again, somebody made that. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a plastic mold in the shape of Data's dick. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So I, I do have to say that. <laughs> I re- um, you know, in the X-rated version of that, that's what he puts over himself to check the fit. <laughs> yeah. In the porn version. Yeah. Um, I, I did say at one point that we met uh, Data's creator um, in this season, and apparently I completely forgot what Data Lore was about because we don't meet Data's creator in this episode. And in fact, we meet um, Lore, which is also a character which comes back later. But um, Oh, God, really? Uh, yeah, maybe I, maybe I should have left that as a surprise. Uh, but... Surprise? More? Oh, God. Do we ever meet Data's creator? We do, yeah. Um, I'm not sure when then, uh, and I, I apologize for getting your hopes up, but we do meet him at some point. Is he the one that's very similarly named to Khan Noonien Singh, by the way? Is yes. He, why would they do that? Well, actually, uh, Gene Roddenberry named both characters after somebody that he knew in World War II. I mean, that's lovely, but my other question is, well, why would you... It's not like he was a minor character like he's Khan. One of the best movies in the franchise was has his name in the title. You know, he's a such an iconic part of the franchise that you would think that, I don't know, you wouldn't reuse that name. Well, it's spelled differently. Yeah, and it's like saying, oh, you know, my friend and the other, and, you know. It's 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 Noonien, it's Khan Noonien Singh and Khan, and, and, and then Noonien Soong. Yeah, but they wouldn't have a Captain Cork running around Starfleet, would they? I don't know. Maybe they would. So what did you think about Data Lore? I really just wanted it to end. Yeah. It it was, see, I'm fascinated by the idea of Data. I'm fascinated by the philosophical issues that Data brings up. I am, and here you have him meeting his brother, and it's in the lamest possible way. Lore could have been so much more of an interesting concept for a villain and he's just it's a stupid plot in this it's this episode counts on everybody who is on the staff of the enterprise but wesley being an idiot yes this is the one episode where i see this and i'm like dude you're all being unfair to wesley he's gotten you out of scrapes before and he's friends with data why aren't you listening to him when he's saying you know i think there's something out there why are why is nobody doing their due diligence on this show when you know that some there is a you know untrustworthy robot that is running around the ship that looks exactly like somebody you don't just let him go and you know why isn't Tasha Yar you know bringing this up and what i find interesting about that is 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 Tasha Yar did raise a question yes. but she raised it about data which was the very wrong thing to do because of course Lore was the one who was running around attacking Data and, and calling the Crystal an entity to, to destroy the Enterprise. So, yeah, uh, Tasha Yar, again, proves herself to be uh, not, let, let's say, not the most stellar security chief. 
Um, and that also – what does that say about all of – about their views towards data that they think that that's the right question, but they think Lore's loyalty is unquestionable? You know what I mean? Like, well, I think they, they, don't, they don't even – I don't, I know. don't know. I don't know if they were really worried about Lore's loyalty. I just think that they didn't think through all the implications of having yeah. the, uh, the identical brother of someone running around that they didn't know. Um, one of the things that I think is 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 funny about the next generation in general is, and and you know Star Trek in general, and, and possibly even television in general, is that they do just kind of let people wander around the ship when, in reality, you know they, they would have controls in place, doors would have locks, they would have guards. I mean, you know, yeah, the turbo lift would not just open onto the bridge with a nice sight line to kill Picard. Right? Like, this is kind of bad. And, and so you kind of really think about it. You have to think about this in terms of, like, I mean, what th- this about, is not a good security setup. What about the couple of guards who are going with Worf? And when they get – and kind of Lord just pushes Worf into the elevator and attack, and closes the door and attack Like, they don't – they're just kind of standing there just waiting and they don't – they never – They don't have an emergency override for the doors? They don't notice that Worth has disappeared, you know? Like, they're just – Yeah. Well, he must take it from there even though we had, you know, two of us backing him up. The, the, the Data Lore is an episode which, number one, like you said – is is way too reliant on everyone acting like a complete and total moron. And and yeah. number two, it is reliant on lore having motivations that went out of fashion after like the 1920s serials because he has no reason for doing any of this. And it's never yeah. even brought up as a question. It's never explained. It's just lore be crazy. And that's there's an not good. Yeah, there's an implication when he's talking about, oh, we can... When he's talking about, you know, oh, we have the memory of 400 some odd colonists, you know, but imagine we can have everybody's memories. We can have all of these different things. And, you know, to tell that to Data, it's... Lore thinks it's a much more attractive offer than it turns out to be, of course, but... That said, there is a – if Data had the option to learn more, to learn more about being human in such a way, he would take it if it were in a way that ran to his ethics. I mean Data does have ethics. That is one very clear thing in this episode. Um, well, I do – you know, if, since you find Data such an interesting character from a philosophical point of view, I, yeah. you know, there's a lot of stuff here that we can talk about. The first but, half of the episode is much more fascinating with the way that they treat Data and the way they're – I love this – I love how everybody's kind of pussing around, pussyfooting around his – you know, the fact that he's a machine. They're speaking very – you know, when they're talking about how he's constructed, you know, and they want to see when you were assembled or, you know, how you're, you know, things like that. They seem almost like they're worried about offending them. And, you know, Picard, you know, someone has said, look, cards on this table. You know, we don't mean anything by this, but, you know, this is the case. You know, we have to, you know, we can talk about your circuits the way you can talk about our veins. You know, it's not. Well, gonna... that's, yeah. And that's kind of the interesting thing there is that, you know, Picard is really setting this up as, as he's kind of laying down the line and he's saying, you know what? Yeah, data's a machine. He's constructed, but but we're machines too. Yes, and that was we're a, just machines in a different in a different way. We're, yeah, we're biochemical, bioelectrical, elect- yeah, whatever he said. And that that makes it because I've been talking about whether data's emotions are real or they're programmed or whatever. And this is one of those which seems to suggest that um, they're real. Whether they're real or programmed, it's the same case between data and between humanity, as in. You can't say Data's emotions are fake, but ours are real because, well, they are constructions in both ways. We, you know, we understand a positronic brain as well as we understand a real brain, how they think, you know, in 2013 watching this show. So I, I, I liked that. I like that um, they, they explicitly deal with this. And I think also it's, it's interesting because, you know, Data's personhood is, is never in question. Yes. You know, they're, they're just very like, you know, we don't, want to, we don't mean to offend you. They're I mean, speaking you, about it almost as, you know, it's interesting. They're speaking about it almost as if it's a disability at first. And then, you know, it's Picard who's saying, you know, no, this is not a disability. But, you know, there is no difference really between Data and Worf in, in a way. Yeah. Because they're, 
they're neither of them are human, but nobody has questioned Worf's personhood whatsoever. Yeah, and it's kind of like you know, if if, if Worf got into a terrible accident on an away mission and, and Crusher had to operate on him, you know, she she might have to like you know go into the computer and read up on Klingon anatomy. That doesn't mean that Worf yeah. is not a person. Yeah, um, which is an interesting contrast to. Bones ta- saying every few minutes about, you know, well, oh, you're a weird Vulcan anatomy and how you, you know, everything's in the wrong place. Right, that, right. That's com- the complete opposite of that view, even though we know that. Well, Bones is just a horrible person. Well, yes, he's an asshole. I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> he's not dead. We saw him like five weeks ago. Yeah, and he was made of paper and dust. And how, how much long? Five weeks. Do you think he really had five more weeks left? I don't know. I think he died on that ship, and that's why we heard nothing about him afterwards. <laughs> he, he was shuffling around. Yeah. Yeah. The the thing that I I, I have a, the thing that <laughs> he asked to see Data Speeders, and it was just such a shock. He died. Oh my god. I do wonder, like, how big Data's penis is. Like, it's got to be pretty big, right? I don't want to talk about this. I don't <laughs> talk about this. Um, the the problem that I have with this is that the episode doesn't seem to really have a good handle yeah. on what exactly it means that Data and Lore are people as opposed to robots or machines. Uh, because there's that we, <laughs> like the one thing that I don't understand in this episode really is, you know, they 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 assemble Lore. And Lore gets turned on, and not in a sexual way, even though we know Lore has a penis. Um, we keep coming back to Data and Lore's penis. Okay, did Data and Lore do it? Is my question. Wouldn't you? I mean, if like you had a double, obviously like, I, I would. I would be very curious to have sex with myself. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay. Um, I probably wouldn't do it more than once, but oh, I think I would if. My dream is to just basically find a, a second me, and you know, then we'll get married. That, oh, that's, okay. That's pretty much what I'm looking to do. Well, find Doctor Noonien soon. Maybe he can make you one. All right. You know, Lore is obviously a little off. He's a little different. Um, he definitely has. You know, whether or not Data has emotions is still an open question at this point, um, even though Data does not have emotions, and I will keep saying that until you believe me, or the show actually establishes it that he doesn't. Um, but, but you know, he's obviously, he, 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 he has emotions, or he wears them on his sleeve more, or whatever. Um, he's a little off, he's a little creepy, he's a little off-putting. And the thing that I find most interesting about Lore and, and sort of this question of, of, of their personhood is... He's explicitly said that he was designed to please humans. And so, on the one hand, the the show seems to be arguing that Lore is a better android than Data because he was programmed to please humans. But on the other hand, it seems to be arguing that Data is a person because he was able to defeat Lore. Like, I don't really get what the show is trying to say. I think we're dealing with an Uncanny Valley sort of situation here, as in... Lore's personality is so amped up, he's a little too human, and his emotions are kind of unrestrained, so if he comes off as a person, he comes off as a crazy person, so... He is the kind, you can see the initial attempt being, all right, well, we're going to have all of these emotions going at once, and this very passionate robot, and this robot that has, and you can, you know, so that people will be more comfortable and then realizing as he's going that, oh, no, he's actually, he's one of those extremely intense people. You know, if, again, if, if this were an actual person, if we were not told that Lore was a, an android, if he were somebody that we met, he would be the guy on the subway who is just talking to you a little too much. Yeah. Um, Data, on the other hand, has things which either are or resemble emotions. And again, I, I, I'd say my argument is that they don't necessarily... There's not necessarily a difference between those, but he's a much more calm, more even-tempered person. He's a his emotions that he shows are a bit more appropriate. He's a, maybe a slightly too off-key, but low-key. But then everybody can say, "Well, he's a robot. He doesn't have to be perfect," you know. And so it's much more comfortable to be around Data because he's very he's not as unpredictable as Lore seems to be. Well, yeah, and I think, you know, I don't really know what it means that Lore was, was, was constructed first. 
it almost seems like he was not exactly the most well put together android, and so Doctor Nooney and Soong had to try again. And and you know, yeah, and you could see him changing his goal again because of that reason, wanting to okay, well, the ideal android is going to be one that is indistinguishable from a human, and then realizing no, the ideal android is and. Data is the result of that. Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, we can also kind of assume, you know, at least for the purposes of this conversation, that Lore is a sociopath or a, a, a liar. And so, you know, he's the one who says that he was programmed to please humans. So he might just be lying. Oh, yeah. Um, because I, I mean, he must be lying because he wants to kill the entire crew of the enterprise, many of whom are human. And obviously that does not please people. So yes. And uh, again, that, that may make, yeah. Sociopath is a very good word for that. And one is suggesting that, you know, that kind of, there is something missing in lore, that ability to empathize, to have loyalty. Uh, Lore doesn't have loyalty to anybody, but himself. He is all worried about self-preservation and, in a way, he's an extremely envious creature. He uh, is looking to—he's a very greedy creature. He's, he, he seems like he's made this deal with this creature to increase power for himself. I don't know how that's working. Well, see, the thing is, though, that I, that, that I have a problem with that, and, and this, I think, is just, yeah. a, just a problem with the script, is okay. because it's just not very good. I mean, it's not a very good episode, um, and it's not very well-constructed, and a lot of people have no motivations for doing anything that they're doing in the episode. Yeah. They just do it because the plot needs them to do it. Yeah, again, and, they, they imply that there's some way that the crystal is going to increase his intellectual ability. Well, it doesn't, but, even, it doesn't even seem like that's really a, a good motivation. And no. my, my problem with it is that, like, it's fine to have Lore be a sociopath or be intimated to be a sociopath, but even sociopaths have reasons and motivations mm. for doing what they do. And Lore seems to have no motivations for doing... Like, let, let's not forget, he is said that he was the person who led the crystalline entity to the colony yeah. and, and, and had it destroyed... But Lore was disassembled and kept in a closet. So I don't really know what he gained from that. And I don't know what he thinks he's going to gain from having yeah. the crystalline entity come and, and kill everyone on the Enterprise. And that is a thing that most, you know... It just seems like the third act of this episode yeah. needed a, a, an external threat to finish the episode in some sort of strong way. And that's what they chose. It yeah. just doesn't make any sense. Sociopathic does not mean, you know stabby you know yeah those people who are sociopathic are very good at picking up cues and in a way if you go around stabbing people well then you're gonna get in trouble for that when you get caught and so most people don't (laughs) right right you know it's 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 a self-preservation uh within it's it's not so much ethical or moral decisions as it is you know recognizing legal and you know those kind of options but yeah lore has no real reason he's a villain because they need a villain yeah yeah and and it's i think it's it's more galling because you know i was reading about the background for this episode and, and the idea i mean because you know the evil twin brother is like a, yeah you know that's a that's a cliche at this point and it always was it was a cliche 25 years ago and that, star trek itself has done it many times that that was an idea that came from brent spiner and it's like okay, dude, like, I know you want to have input in the scripts, but this is probably not the way to do it. I don't think that lore in this episode comes across as anything that's that super great. Mm. And certainly I think you can say that, you know, I think Brent Spiner in this episode, I think is finally getting a handle on how to play data because data seems a lot less all over the place than, you know, because I think in previous episodes, data has sort of seemed like, an eager puppy. He's also seemed like he's very like disinterested in things. He's, you know, he's had yeah. this sort of like, we, and there's, and, and, you know, like he smiles and he doesn't smile and then he seems really serious. And then he seems like he's just like hanging out. Like, and so I think Brent Spiner's finally getting a handle on playing data. And I think part of the reason why, you know, lore works in as much as lore works because of Spiner's performance, because he does legitimately create two very different characters. Yeah. Um, and I like that, but it just doesn't go anywhere and it just kind of ends in this way that is very cliche with a firefight in uh in the cargo bay 
you know, Crusher's running out of the room with her sleeve on fire. It's just all very, like, you know, it's not interesting. Um, yeah, and I'd say I don't think Lore makes an interesting villain in general. We've seen in the show characters, not twin characters, but we saw a, a, a Picard when was possessed by that electronic thing. We've seen Riker with the his... The battle? Yes. We've seen Riker with his Q power going to his head. Like, we... um. No, the and the the no the the electric one that like the console possesses all of them. Do you remember? Oh, lonely among us. Yes. Yeah. Um, the episode that was forty five minutes of wallpaper, as far as I'm concerned, yeah. because holy Christ. <laughs> um, I liked I liked uh, uh, um, Patrick Stewart's performance in that because he did give a different character that was creepy. I thought. Yeah, that, yeah. Lore isn't isn't creepy enough. I think. He's I think close. Lore's pretty damn creepy. I gotta disagree with you on that one. I mean, he is weird and off-putting, and I don't think that someone needs to be, like, overtly creepy, no. like, watching kids play and jacking off or something to get across creepy. I think that's fine. Like, I don't have a problem with that in this episode. I mean, I don't know. That's just a disagreement, I guess, we have, but... Yeah, difference of opinion. None and none of those were would go on will go down in history as Star Trek's greatest villains. Lore won't either, but right, whatever. Yeah, I guess you know, and 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 it's especially galling, I think, because the episode does have some legitimately interesting things to say about Data and about yeah. his personhood. Because there's that great exchange between him and Doctor Crusher where he reveals his yeah. off switch and it says something real. I think it, it, it really has an insight into what an Android would be like, because he says to her, well, if you had an off switch, wouldn't you keep it a secret? And she's like, yeah, I probably would. And I really yeah, liked I, I, that I, moment. I even like that. He jokes about himself. Like he says, Oh, it's an Android alarm clock, you know? He, yeah. You know, it's, and you know, she, it's, you know, it's usually, you know, data doesn't have trouble with, you know, Data has trouble with humor and stuff, but that is a joke, and that is a—it's a fairly mordant one in a way. But uh, I guess it would make sense that that Data would be good at gallows humor. Yeah, in a way. Uh, you know, he—he <laughs> you know, he just sees this as part of you know life. You know, it's kind of like going to sleep in a way, right? And he doesn't really again—he doesn't really seem to be bothered by it. But he's also you know that that he's trusting Dark Crusher. Trust. When I say that you don't, he doesn't have emotions. Trust is an emotion. Trust is a very human emotion. It's a very human reaction to another person that has earned that. And by him telling her, by her being the first person that he seems to have had this conversation with, that's giving her a lot. I don't know. Does does my iPhone trust me when I put my fingerprint on it and unlock it? You're uh, ask it. I mean, you know, I, I'm maybe I'm playing devil's advocate, but I, I, I think I, I don't necessarily think it's the same situation. Uh, your iPhone is not self-aware. I wouldn't let it hear you that say that. One more question about the off switch, though. Why does why does Lore poison Data when he knows there's an off switch and he could like it just seems like such an elaborate plan where you can hear like, well, you know, we're brothers, we should hug, and then you can just jab it then. Well, to me, I think. Um, well, well, two things. Number one, you know, poisoning is just fun to watch. Uh, I'm not a sociopath. And the other thing is that, um, you know, the episode was a couple minutes short, probably. That's, yeah. And it just seemed like they needed to have a scene where they were like, well, uh, Lore is uh, collecting a lot of strange things that he perhaps does not need. I wonder if we should. And Data's like, no, nah, that's cool. I'm like, what was the point of that scene? Yeah. And, like, and this thing with the facial tick. And yeah, just kind of like. You know, just. I just I just lump it under first season problems. Yeah. And also, uh, you know, not incidentally speaking, though, um, the teleplay for this episode was co-written by one none other than Gene Roddenberry. Mm. So, yeah. And this was the last episode of Star Trek that Gene Roddenberry ever wrote. Oh, did so he die he, after? Uh, he died in 1991. So oh, we're yeah. talking about another four years. Four more years. No, the show gets a lot better before he yeah, dies. I know. So don't worry. And my God, be nicer to Gene Roddenberry. He's been dead for a long time. So it's okay now. It's He's not the great bird of the anymore. galaxy. Do you have no respect? No, I don't. The last thing I want to say is this episode establishes that data cannot use contractions. And my God, that is a stupid idea, number one. Uh, I, 
Number two. Number two, like... Dana, like, if you had used a contraction, I would have thought you were lore. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. Um, it's one of the stupidest ideas they think the show has ever had, and it pretty much goes nowhere and is completely contradicted in this episode because we have an episode which is predicated on the 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 cast and the crew members not knowing the difference between lore who is an evil android and data which is the good android and at the end of the fucking episode when lore is beamed into space or wherever the fuck he goes data uses a contraction because he learned something from lore and so you're like wait a second am i actually supposed like like i was like am i supposed to think that like data is actually lore and like lore tricked us somehow like the next six and a half years was all like really lore. Like I don't. I oh don't, my god, that's actually a really brilliant theory. But but it, no, it's just because the script is fucking lazy and doesn't realize that he did that. And it's like <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing with fan theories; they don't have to make sense. So I think we're gonna go with this for the rest of the series run that it's not really data, and we will call him lore. Okay, that's fine. Um, I just you know I, I just find that especially galling because it's like you know you need to establish trust with the audience, and if you can't keep things straight like that then (laughs) it's a problem and it just goes it really speaks to i think sort of the shoddy quality of the first season in general where nobody seemed to be trying really hard it's the kind of thing where that could be a fine an unremarked upon character note of data that again that's just that character's speech pattern he's a robot he doesn't use contractions fine the fact that they mention it and as you say break it and and not only that, establish that the evil robot that was impersonating him 20 minutes ago can use contractions. And that's the... Yeah, like, it, it, it's the... <laughs> it's not great, is all I'm saying. It's also a question of can't versus doesn't. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure with... If Data made a point to learn to use contractions, he would be able to. If he can learn all this technical stuff, he can learn... That when you put two words together, they you actually use a third word in place of them. Yeah, that's a not a hard skill to learn. I, I my computer can do find and replace. I mean, this is not difficult. Put him in Schoolhouse Rock. Yeah, three inches of Data's cock. Three inches of Data's cock. Okay, <sighs> two and a half. All right. Well, let's move on to our second episode this week, where we can also talk about cock, Angel One. So here's the thing about Angel One. It sucks. Well, it does. <laughs> but as I was watching it, I realized something. I think that this episode was possibly written by Rush Limbaugh under a pseudonym. Because I see that. this seems like the kind of episode that would be written by someone who would use the word feminazi. <laughs> it's the kind of it's 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 a very special episode. That that's all. It's a it's it's predicated on two things. I think number one, reversing sexism, haha, and showing how sexism is actually bad because you know the women of this planet are really sexist and treat the men like we treat our women. You know, ah, that's wow, that's really profound. Like we treated our women hundreds of years ago. <laughs> Number two, it seems kind of predicated on the idea that maybe women are kind of dicks. And this is what feminism really wants. And I don't think that those two things are compatible. But I also don't think that the script realizes that. There's also the further point that enlightenment of the underclass cannot come within the underclass. It has to be brought to them. In other words, social revolution does not come to Angel One because of a discussion between the, or because of the men realizing there, or whatever, it comes because a group of other people come in and tell them that. We don't have a single male Angel One knight. Besides Trent, who all of his lines are basically, you know, here's a thing that's happening, or here, as an item I was told to bring. He is the space secretary of that, and... Well, I find that, I mean, that that's definitely the case. I, I, I think that... And that's a pr- because well, it suggests that the men in Angel One don't have an understanding of their own impre- oppression, and therefore, women in our society who are oppressed do not have an understanding of their own oppression. In other words, the I mean, Trent doesn't really seem smart enough to be able to lead a you know right. the, the the 
the Khaleesi in this has so much more is so much more astute and strong and you know she is a very decisive leader and all of that. Did you just call her the Khaleesi? Yeah, I don't know what her title was. Okay, all right. Uh, Um, I just wanted to make sure I heard you correctly. Yeah. Uh, No, I. I, The men don't seem that bright. Well, the men don't seem that bright. I think they don't seem that bright for a reason. And I think you know the issue really is that yes, that that is the case, right? But. It's also the case that the episode doesn't bring the idea of oppression up until like the last three minutes, and it seems very tacked on. Yeah. We're talking about an episode which is primarily about uh, uh, Riker, Troy, Data, and uh, Yar on a planet ruled by women who are trying to find four men who are alive from from the wreck of this ship called the Titan. They find them, and it turns out that you know, twist uh, the, one of the matriarchs is 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 his his wife. Okay, that's all fine, and that's interesting. Yeah. But you know, the episode has this is what I say: like the episode has no point of view. Like the episode is is seems to be this funhouse uh, a mirror of 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 our society. Number one, it, they even explicitly say that it's like on the twentieth century level of technology, which they have sliding doors. So where's my sliding door? Um, but they have them at the grocery. Okay. But the other thing, too, is like, you know, this whole idea of like, oh, maybe the men really aren't happy and maybe these guys are revolutionaries or whatever, even though they don't seem to have any real interest in that and they just kind of want to live their lives. You know, um, how did they meet women to marry? Like, how did they have kids? Like, I, I don't get any of this. Like, how the hell did one of them seem to like, not only like, like meet one of the matriarchs, but like date them and like fall in love and get married and have kids like this doesn't make any yeah, sense like it's one it's it's implied that you know so they're saying for the first you know amount of time of them staying there they were treated very well and obviously you know he met up you know they they were probably feted as guests of honor or whatever treated very well you know a bunch of and assumingly he met the matriarch at that point i don't but, know why would they be i mean the women are really like assholes i i don't get the sense that they would be really all that interested in four more men who they have to take care of. When they say that they treat, you know, they were given good hospitality and stuff, I don't disbelieve her. I will say that. I don't think that they were given, you know... I disbelieve her. Okay. She's She's a liar. I mean, like, the matriarch just lies through her teeth for the entire episode. Yeah, so why would you all... believe her? Because she's a really horny liar, and, you know, he's not a bad-looking guy. I'm sure that they... Think of the... We, now, we only see the one really main guy. Like, the others are just kind of in the background, but... I don't think... Yeah, we don't ever really see them except for the last and, scene, but and yeah. And we're not introduced to any of them, and... But, I, I don't know. It, it's... It's... It just seems... It, it just seems very tacked on, is my point. It doesn't like the matter. Whole, like, that's, that's, I think, like... It just, yeah, just whatever. It comes out of nowhere. It's like, you know, in if in Data Lore, the very end of the episode... There was suddenly like an animal rights thing in it. Like it just it doesn't really come from anywhere in the episode organically. Like you you certainly could have set this episode up as an interesting examination of why exactly gender discrimination is not a good thing to do on either side, right? Um, but that's not what this episode is. It's it's an episode which is more interested in constructing weird barriers to them coming back to the ship, which is whole, you know, plague thing, which is is basically nonsense. (laughs) Um, And then uh, at the same time, it's having this episode down on the planet, which is basically an excuse for Troy and Yar to giggle at Riker in skimpy clothes and for Data to ask questions about what exactly perfume is. And, (sighs) you know, I don't get it. I just really, I don't fundamentally understand what the point of this episode even is. You know, especially having seen the Manny skirt that people have been wearing, and, you know, maybe this has to do with the fact that I've gone through McCarran Park in Brooklyn over the uh, summer, but, like, what Riker is wearing is not that scandalous. Like, it's a little... It's not his normal uniform, and it's certainly very it's, revealing. It's and, certainly... You know, well, I, mean, I, would, I, would tease if, I would tease you if you were wearing it, but at the same time, like, when they're... Yar is flipping out at the idea of him having to wear that. Like, and this is, and this, yeah, and this is the problem with like you know having a show like this, which is obviously not very well thought out and not very interested in in, in sort of engaging with ideas, right? That you know the the women are still dressed in, they're still wearing like dresses and they're still wearing makeup. 
okay like their hair is done why why are they wearing makeup why are they wearing dresses this doesn't make sense the main one is very much california girl you know in a lot of ways her hairstyle is that feathered thing like you know she's yeah she looks put together which is fine but she's very pretty yeah but and the second the secondary issue is that like you know it doesn't seem to really engage with the idea that you know maybe men and women you know dress differently for, for, for a reason and the men in the episode act like women for the most part like you've got that scene where trent comes in and is putting the perfume on yeah and then you also have the men wearing these clothes which Yes, they are revealing, and they do have the low-cut, you know, tops and everything to show off their wonderful chests. I but, would love this society. But you know, the the coloring of the clothes that they're wearing is are very feminine. You know, it's all purple and and, and sort of blues, very and things sheer like that. material, very sheer material. Yeah. It's very light. It's very, you know, it's like a blouse basically. Um, so so I don't really get a sense that that is is something that men would wear or that women would be interested in seeing men wear I would like i don't have a problem with a man who's wearing a you know a v you know a low cut shirt like i think that's fantastic and more men should wear them but i i don't necessarily i wouldn't necessarily be interested in or attracted to a man who was basically wearing an open blouse you know something that's it's very it's shitty costume design like i could i it would make more sense if, you know, for example, all the men were running around shirtless. That would be one thing. That would make a lot more sense. Yeah, why just, aren't they? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, but you know, it's, I mean, that is that is the one. Uh, that is possibly like the one thing that the episode may get correct, or maybe it just wasn't even thought about. Because if you think back to you know, how women were oppressed in, in Western society and, and, and certainly in, in Eastern societies and all kinds of societies all over the world, um, even to the present day, you know, when men have, have, you know, direct and total control over a woman's body to the, to the point where they can dictate what women wear, they usually wear a lot of clothes and they usually yeah. are really, really covered up. And so actually that's true. You think about like a Victorian era or something like that. Yeah. yeah I'm th- I mean, I'm thinking about Orthodox, you know, ultra Orthodox Jews. I'm thinking about, you know, Islamic yeah. clothing. I'm thinking about every, you know, like bathing suits in 1900. I mean, you know, all of these things, this, this was a struggle to really get women to wear what they want to wear and for men to wear what they want to wear too. I mean, I don't think it's incidental that, um, you know, women were not wearing pants, for example, in, in 1920, um, most of the time, mm-hmm. uh, it was very scandalous for women to wear pants. I mean, I think in 1920, it was about as weird for a woman to be wearing pants as it would be for a man in 2013 to be wearing a skirt. I thought women would like in like, well, maybe in like the more flappery areas. I, I, I don't think it was unheard of, unless for practical reasons. I don't know. We don't know what we're talking about. It, it was fairly odd for a woman to wear pants at yeah, that time. Outside and the home, at least. I, when you think about it, if, uh, 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 what's her name in Dick Van Dyke's show, wearing capris in her apartment. And, you right. Know, the apartment is considered a, you know. I mean, 1950s, 1960s. I mean, that yeah. was about when women were, were, you know, starting to be able to, to, to wear, you know, pants outside of the home. So, so the episode doesn't seem to have a yeah. good grasp on any of that, and it just seems very half-assed. The other thing I find interesting about the episode is, you know, I think we do need to talk about Yar and Troy in this episode a little bit, because... I was would be very interested what their thoughts towards this would be, and yeah. they don't give much. What does Yar, who is a person who it has been very much established, has a difficulty navigating the divide between herself as very strong and very capable and also being feminine. You know, that episode when she in The Naked Now, you know, she wants to put on these pretty dresses, you know. I am... Would it even... It would not have been out of her character to have felt a little envious of Riker because he gets to wear a cooler outfit than she gets to wear. You know, here are women who... Yeah, uh, uh, again, the main, the elected one is in no way defeminized, you know, even through our society today, she is extraordinarily feminized. Sure. And, yeah, absolutely. But she is also in no, you know, she is seen as capable and strong and we never see her fighting, but we're assuming that she's able to. Um, yeah. And the episode even says that the women are the ones that yes. go out and hunt and fight and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And 
Troy, on the other hand, has a different angle towards her femininity in her work life, apparently. Sure. And she would have thoughts on this. Both of them would have thoughts on what it would be like to get into a society where they have more of a control over men. That would be just—it's as just as weird for Troy— to see women in charge of men as it is for Riker to see women in charge of men just because that's what neither of them have seen gender roles as being. I don't I, well I don't know that I necessarily ag- agree with that because I think the 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 way that the way that women act in this episode and the way that men act in this episode seems very much more linked to I, I don't know who wrote this episode. I, I'm having trouble like paying attention to who wrote the yeah. episodes in the next generation, I guess just because um, it's not shown with the title card like it was in the original yeah. series, so I don't immediately click onto it all the time, and I should probably start paying attention more. I mean, more, I've barely but, been noticing it myself. Um, but the thing that I, you know, th- this is making me realize is that I think whoever wrote this episode, I think, kind of d- d- is uncomfortable with feminism or uncomfortable with strong women or powerful women because, you know, certainly the, the women on Angel One, um, you know, are, are not portrayed as great, people and great characters because yeah. they are very dismissive of men. They very much are of a, a very, very, very matriarchal society to the point where they are called the matriarchs of the society. I mean, this is like pretty, yeah. th- this is pretty bald face sort of stuff. Um, but on the other hand, if you think about the scene where Riker again is dressing in the native clothing to go see the head matriarch, Riker doesn't have a problem with it. And Riker is very sort of circumspect and very sort of matter of fact about it. And he's saying, well, you know, when I was on Altair six, I wore feathers. And when I was here, I wore this. And, and you know, something it doesn't really seem to bother him that here is a beautiful woman who is making a big deal about him and seduce. He's, he's he's enjoying being seduced. He's okay with it. And that's, and that's, and that's great. And I think that's in Riker's favor, but Troy and Yar don't come out looking great because they seem very uncomfortable with it and they seem very, like, amused by it. And why would they be? I mean, if Riker's okay with it, then why wouldn't they be? And so that's what I'm kind of thinking. It's like whoever wrote this episode just doesn't like women because they all act like dicks in this episode. (laughs) You have this bullshit that's taking with this plague and another fucking virus in this series. How many have we had so far? Um, I talk about how there are no male Angel Oneians. Um, why don't Troy and Yar have a manservant character that's with them the entire time? I mean, yeah, how that would Yar true. deal with the with a very pretty guy who kind of wa- who wants to please her and wants to, you know, serve her and is expect you know is is attracted to her as a strong, powerful like. That that's the plot that Yar needs. Yeah, that would give some very good insight into what she is looking for, which how she reacts to men, how she's going to react to a guy who is yeah acting you know traditionally as a woman, given how her history with the rape gangs and that she does have a legitimate fear of men. There were that plot would be fucking fascinating. Yeah, and they don't give it to her. Well, that's that's not what the show is interested in at this yeah, point. Yeah, and that's a problem. It's it. interested in being the original series Mark II more yeah. than it's being interested in like something else. And yeah, it would be really interesting to see make this a character motivation, like get rid of the Titan stuff and get rid of the whole you know plague thing because that just and then goes you got nowhere. these Romulans too, which is like it's like there's like twenty things going on. In this I do episode. want to talk about the Romulans, but you know, so for me, it's like if you had made this an episode about something yeah. about the characters about yars again yeah like you said have it be about yars you know fear of men have it be about troy's sort of uncomfortableness around sexuality have it be about riker you know wanting to sleep with somebody i mean have it be about anything have it be about data have it be about uh, picard you know have it be about wesley i don't know like anybody any number of characters like there's a lot of really there's a lot of really interesting characters on this show and i think when they give them the opportunity to do character work it's usually pretty good, and that's, I think, 
you know, thinking back to the episodes of Trek about that we've been talking about the the next generation so far, I think that's the stuff that we're responding to the most. Hell, I don't care about all of this other crap. You know, something put a fifteen put Wesley put a fifteen year old boy in a society where men have an extremely different gender role, and what's he going to be dealing with? Right. That's an interesting plot too. Yeah. Yeah, that absolutely would be interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, have Picard down there. I mean, you know, you know, he goes. Yeah, Wesley goes down. There's all going to be guys who want to do makeup with him. You know, and he's how's he going to react to that? You know, yeah. That's what boys do in this society. Right. You know? Exactly. Like, that's yeah. Absolutely. And 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 the show just doesn't seem. It's not even that the show isn't interested in that. It, it seems like an unwillingness to go there. It seems like a, a total, a total unwillingness to like go to the logical places that these episodes raise. It seems, yeah, it seems like they set up a really interesting. And this, this has been, this is kind of the problem with Data Lore as well. They set up a very interesting premise. Okay, here we have a matriarchal society, and you know, you have a group of Starfleet people who are trying to put, you know, men's rights into the society. Go. You have, all right, Data is a mysteriously found android, and he meets his brother who is not giving him answers, but is giving more trouble. Go. And then, but they say, well, no, they don't want that. They want a Star Trek adventure with the mysterious disease and the Romulans and the, you know, crystalline alien is going to kill them. And, like, that's not what, that's not what made the show great. It seems like they're missing, they're misunderstanding the point of their own series. Yes. Yes, I that I would agree with you. Um, Star Trek was never a monster of a week show. It's been a monster of a week show and not much else. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the original series certainly had its issues and certainly, yeah. you know, early on it, it kind of, I mean, I'm thinking of the man trap, for example. Huh. Um, certainly it, it did have those moments, but, but even in those instances, I mean, even the man trap um, had some character stuff in, you know, Dr. McCoy's lost love, for example, you know, stuff like that, yeah. which was very basic stuff, but it's more than we get in this episode. So when you think about the Horda episode, that's that's the typical yeah. monster of the week that turned into something so much more. Exactly. Yeah. And and the interesting thing again is, and this is making me realize that, you know, the end of the episode, um, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of this word, and I don't think you are either, but but I think it's appropriate here. You know, the whole episode is, is kind of, you know, the women are portrayed very badly on both sides. Yeah. And then at the end of the episode, Riker mansplains them. Hmm. And just sort of like tells them what they should do. And then they go away for a few minutes and then they come back and they say, yes, we will listen to the man. But they don't they don't do that. Exact. They they give them a different chance. Basically, what they're doing is they say, yeah, you're right. It's not right to execute. Which, OK, people. fine. But and his point about you will make martyrs of them is an is something that she hadn't thought about. I mean, in the. I wouldn't say that's necessarily a gender as it is a perspective issue. Like, he's looking at it as the larger issue. She's kind of more focused on the... And that's fine. Um, but it's implied... They are not... The episode ends without them necessarily realizing that they're in the wrong for disallowing this train of thought. This under this current of thought and well, she. I mean, the matriarch even explicitly says we may not be able to stop this, but I want to slow it down. Yeah, like what the hell? Like that's that, yeah. pretty bad. That's a problem. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, and I do. You know, I I don't think it's incidental that that Riker is the character to tell them that they are wrong. Like they could have easily had Troy do it because Troy apparently is now in charge, and you know. Yeah, they were. She was like negotiating with them, and she called down to the planet, and you know, whatever. I mean, that makes sense. It's matriarchal society, blah blah blah. But at the same time, why at the end of the episode, when they need to finish this and when they need to wrap it up, they suddenly have Riker become like the strong man, and I'm going to explain why you're doing things that are bad. It's like eh, it's a little weird. Yeah, and again, it's it's a that's a problem. It's a problem that the the society looks so resistant to change in a way that we would say is a change for the positive in the way that the show would say a change for the positive. And yet it doesn't seem to condemn them for having a backwards attitude in a way. It's so unwilling to say, look, the fact that they're not interested in gender equality is a problem. It says, well, they're not ready for it and that's okay. You know? So we're going to leave now. See you later. If yeah. they had said, look, you know, we've got a lot to learn from these people, you know, maybe, you know, and all right, we're not going to kill them and we should, you know, maybe they'll start, you know, if, if it's, 
if they could have made it a little more positive, it's saying, you know, maybe we're not ready for that kind of thing, but just like we gave to Khan, we'll give them an area where they can start a colony in a way, an area of the planet where they can have sure. a town that, you know, does have both men and women in equal proportion. Yeah. And, you know, we'll learn from each other and we'll support that colony, you know, and we'll see, you know, again, in the big cities, maybe they're not ready for a change yet. In the capital, maybe they're not ready to have a man as the elected one. It's going to be a long time for that. You can't just... But they seem like in no way of we're going to deal with that far, far into the future. We'll be dead by the time we have to deal with it. So it's not a problem. And and that also makes me think about, you know, Picard explicitly says at one point that they, they hope that one day Angel One will become a member of the Federation. And I'm like, why? why? Like, <laughs> what, what do they have to offer? I mean, like they're it's an extreme it's an extremely uh, sexist society. It's an extremely repressive society, and I don't see that they really have anything to offer the Federation. I There's mean, some kind of noise about it being near the neutral zone or something, and you know, strategic or but. That's the whole B plot that I didn't really care about. That was like the C plot. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It was like, well, that I, I do want to ask you that, and then maybe a good way to wrap this up. But uh, are you happy that the Romulans are back? Were they back? Because I didn't think that they you know, were. I mean, they were at least mentioned. Yeah, it's and it's one of those. Okay, so the neutral zone's still there, so we're still at war with Romulus. So we're still, you know, we still have. They should have just fucking said Ferengi and been done with it because this brings up so many questions that the episode is nowhere near prepared to answer. Yeah, I agree with that. They're still trying to make Ferengi happen. I know it's not gonna, but if you'd said, you know, oh, gee, there's Ferengi ships after us. And, you know, normally Ferengi are not a problem, but in this with the ship crippled from this virus, okay, I can give you that, you know? At the same time, though, I think that, that you know, maybe that's the one good thing that the show is doing is that it's maybe maybe this was them recognizing that the Ferengi were, were not really happening. And so they're like, all right, well, what are we going to do? Shit, all right, let's bring the Romulans back because we have nothing else. We're going to have to see in, in the future if they have what yeah. they do with the Ferengi because... Yeah, we'll have to see what they do with the Ferengi, you know, and what they do with the Romulans, frankly. You know, I mean, the next episode could be like, it could, Ferengi, the destroyer, and it's yeah. all about how, like, a Ferengi is torturing Troy, and she's, like, trying to escape, but, like, you know, if she yeah. doesn't get out, like, the entire Ferengi empire is going to eat everybody. Like, that could be a cool episode. I think that that happens next week, actually. Yeah? I'm kidding. Oh. Well, before we get to that, what would you give this one? I would give this episode three glowing light meditation balls. Okay, I was kind of hoping you'd go with Data's dick, but apparently not. Okay, not anymore. Come on. All right, I'm gonna give this one like a I don't know, just like a two. I, I really just I don't know. It's yeah. So next week we are going to cover, and this is a mouthful. Oh no, one one zero zero one zero zero one. I'm not making that up. That's that is the name of the episode. <laughs> and uh, too short a season. So no, we'll- it's really not. <laughs> We'll see you then. <laughs>